and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Essential Property Podcast, where we are updating you on Project 1B and our new style blog that we're putting together to blog our way through our new development. So we have done three so far, two so far, two, I think it is. So we're on blog number three. Say blog or blog your way through. (gasps) How very dare you. That was the early days when we were just getting started. So blog episode number three, project 1B, it's all going to plan-ish. So we're going to update you as to where we are. So end of blog two, we were up to first fix. The plasters were in, they were skimming out. The place was starting to take shape. So Paul and I will just give you guys an update on where we're at now. So effectively, we are picking off second fix. We said we need to go shopping for tiles for 12 bathrooms. We've done our shopping trip. We've cleared out tops tiles and tile mounting with anything that looks slightly funky and different. And our tilers were jumping for joy. In my recent Instagram post, you'll see that I said that our tilers are jumping for joy because we have 12 bathrooms and we have near enough 12 different tiles, different trim colors, different grouts, funky grout colors and to be honest they've actually been quite good about it and we've got some really trendy bathrooms on the way unlike our previous tiler who was probably stuff that we use different color grout different color tiles who has a bit of a thing about our past tiler which is quite a sensitive subject which we probably won't go into but she did say that she could only tile with white grout no she no she only could tile with white tiles and then it was only white growl. I mean, ridiculous. And our new Tyler, who so far so good, didn't seem phased when I said that we would be having glitter in our grout. So I'm over the moon about that. Okay, so I think you said something that just reminded me of when we started. And for people who maybe have not done a full refurb with its conversion, it's probably quite useful just to walk through broadly the different stages of a refurb if you're sort of going back to brick and you're putting in new bathrooms and changing stuff about because you know we've done it a bunch of times so we're okay with it but it can be quite daunting for someone who is look at their first major refurb they're converting you know a house from a two up two down or a three bed semi into a five bed hmo with three bathrooms So maybe you just walk through, broadly speaking, the different phases of this process. Okay. So I'm doing this just off the top of my head. So fill in any gaps if I miss any along the way. So kicking off straight away, we need, you know, something to work with. So a set of drawings or a broad plan or a schedule of works, even if it's a one pager, just something to work with. Once the contract is agreed, the first thing we're doing, obviously, is stripping out. So you have your gut out team that will come and they'll just take out everything that you don't want from the property. 
once the property is stripped and bare, you can really see what you're working with. And then you're looking to do your restructure. So are there any suites going in that you need to build? Are there any walls that are coming out? Not necessarily majorly structural, but just some walls. Are they coming out, stud walls or whatever? And actually getting the building structurally in the shape that you want it. Once you've done that, we can then start to look at windows and doors, a roof, damp work, making sure the place is effectively watertight. Once we've done that, then going on to the first fix for plumbing and first fix for electrics. So again, you you reel all that off because you've done it loads of times. I think one of the things that people want to know is whether they get a contractor they basically do everything that you've just said, and they handle the trades, plumbers, electrician, window fitters, and things like that, which we always recommend if it's your first large conversion, then you probably go for that. There are pros and cons. But I think my point is that it's still important to know what order things happening so you can start looking at where you are and when milestones are reached. And the Second thing is if you use a contractor, what's the advice and disadvantage versus project managing yourself? We're project managing this. Yes. And we project managed pretty much most of our Mm. development. All bar a couple of last big ones. Yeah. So what's the criteria? What should a newbie or a landlord that has normally bought off-the-shelf HMOs or bicycles? but wants to do their own development. Should they project manage themselves like we're doing now or should they go for a single contract and do everything? Okay. In my opinion, and based on my experience, I would say for your first and probably for your first one to three small refurbs, I would say use a contractor, but they're going to be a small contractor. We're talking about like man and a van because it's going to be a small project, no need for a big team. But I'd say bring in someone who's going to do it from beginning to end, firstly. Secondly, watch them like a hawk and learn as much as you can. So I actually didn't realise at the time, but when we were doing the early refurbs and you're going in every week and you're checking, I wasn't necessarily there watching, learning how to do plumbing, learning how to do electrics, but just the fact that you're there You're just absorbing the process, what's going on, quality. So get somebody to do it, a whole contractor, but watch and learn as much as possible because probably after maybe you've gone through that process three times, I would say, I'd say that you've got enough understanding to perhaps project manage a small refurbishment yourself. And with that, what about purchased materials, a contractor? will, if you go for a contract, will always say or assume that they're going to buy the kitchen, the bathroom, the bits and pieces versus labour only, where you're buying all the sanitaries, all the uh, kitchen and things like that. Any thoughts on that? Well, if you want your time back, then get the contractor to do it. However, There's nothing better than learning the cost of things, where you can source them from, just 
understanding the procurement delivery and just understanding that process so again perhaps for the first one or two you know say to the tile up I'm happy with those tiles you know I'm happy with the white kitchen I'm happy with this paint and kind of just let them get on with it because sometimes you can be a bit of a hindrance and you're delaying getting stuff to site and you know they probably want to mark it up a little bit and make a margin so I'd say for the first couple let them do it but ultimately, we know that we don't have a tradesman that can get a boiler cheaper than we can get them. We know that tradesmen can't pick up the kitchens as cheap as we can get them. So eventually, you have to do it, really, because you're monitoring your price and you're trying to come in on budget. And you can also then start to build relationships with the suppliers as well, which is quite good. But what about quality control? I mean, if you're an experienced investor or landlord, then you know... When the wall's straight, you know, bowing of the skirting, sockets, you know, not quite lined up with the top of the skirting or stuff like that. How do you, if you're doing your first project, how do you monitor quality control? What's your criteria? What do you use? How do you go about it? I mean, I've heard and watched and read emails where you're absolutely roasting some of the contractors. And, and some people don't have the confidence to do that because they're not too sure what they're talking about. So how did you get to that point? What's your criteria? Okay, so for sure the first few refurbishments, I wasn't roasting contractors, to use your phrase, and certainly didn't have the confidence to have a face-to-face conversation with a builder to critique them or anything like that. So it's really quite sheepish to begin with. But if I just cast my mind back in terms of maybe what I would have done differently, perhaps go to the site when there's nobody there, when there's a contractor, well, you know, when, they, when they've gone home, and just walk with the building room by room. Because when you turn up on site and the radio is blaring and the contractors are there and they're asking if you want a cup of tea and you're there like in and out in an hour, it can be quite overwhelming to begin with. And you don't really pick up too much. So go there on your own, in your own time, walk through room by room. And the easiest way to describe it is to say, imagine this was your home. So if you had somebody come in to paint your own house, lay carpets in your own house, you know, put together some furniture, no doubt you would be, you know, fairly sort of inquisitive or, you know, look at, you know, looking at what they're doing or finding out what's going on. So do the same in this property. You know, maybe take your spirit level with you and check if the sockets are lined up. Because a lot of it is, if you trusted that the builders have done a good job from a sort of technical standpoint, and you're just looking at what's the quality control of the finish, we can all deal with it. We we all want to live in a nice home. We can all see what's right from wrong. So I would just say, take your time, go in with a notepad and pen, and just list things out. Before now, I've gone in with post-it notes. So the builders arrive the next day and there's like 20 million pink post-it notes in the house. You know, they're not particularly happy with that, but just go through. And the more, and just the more that you do it, the more you learn and you learn really quickly on site. Do you remember years ago, almost when we first started, we used to do investor days where we used to show examples of trades work and it just reminded me when you said you go around and post things up, you would be surprised what we've had to endure <laughs> with a lovely tradesman and less so tradeswomen, but, you know, tradespeople. Tradesmen. Have just made up made up as they've gone along. Yeah. So, so we've said, put a splashback on, on the sink and splashback is halfway up the wall. 
But the sinks down down there, mate. Yeah, I know, but I wasn't too sure what you wanted, so I put it halfway up the wall. Yeah, or can you put a splash block on it, put one piddly little tile, like rather than you know, two or three tiles, or we've got a lot of stories about that. And I would say that doesn't matter how experienced you are and what team you're working with, it kind of still happens. And case in point was we were at Project 1B on Monday. We're second fixing the electrics. And we have, you know, a good electrician working with us on this job for sure. But he's putting the sockets on and they're not level. And there's these kind of, you know, the plaster stops and then there's like an inch gap and the socket starts. So I just politely said to our electrician, you know, look, there's lots of gaps around here and my decorator is going to be screaming if he sees these. And to give him his dues, he said, give me a minute, Amanda. I only put the socket on the wall about 10 minutes ago. I'm going to tidy them up. Okay, that's fair enough. But, you know, you're always reminding, you're always checking because at the end of the day, it's your project and you're responsible for the outcome. Okay, so so getting back to where we're at. So we were traipsing through tile shops about a week and a half ago and it never ever on a scale to one of one to ten in terms of excitement it never raises above three <laughs> i think when we got to the last shop i was going to say hey, you should i just wait in the car can you just go in and sort it out <laughs> i mean you walk up and down the same aisle three or four times and you think they've got nothing and then you walk Again, another three or four times, and you've found something one time, maybe. And it always happens. But, I mean, we're a bit fussy on our tiles. We've always used tiles as a bit of a feature. And to be fair, we had quite a good running with tile mounting and tops tiles where we're able to buy pretty much everything there, which is great. Kitchens. I mean, kitchens, kitchens prices have just gone crazy. Yeah. Not? You don't feel like you're getting good value either, I don't think. I mean, we, we paid for a run and we paid £2,800 for something that historically pre-COVID would have been no more than half that. Yeah, literally half, about £1,400, £1,500. Yeah. So, so that was a bit uncomfortable. But it's got to be done. Yeah. We've got gold handles, though, so at least it's going to look funky. Yeah, and that was, to be fair, that was the designer's idea. And I think it looks quite good and you can theme the room on the back of that. So the kitchen is generally going quite early. I am always surprised at how quickly the kitchen goes in. And the first thing I think of is you put the kitchens in, right, there's going to be chips and mess and dirt and crap all over the place. But it always tends to come good in the end. So the kitchens are in, the tilers are there. The second fix, which is basically putting all the sanitary into the ensuite, presumably when the tile is finished. So now we're putting together our lists. I did a spreadsheet for these larger projects. I put together a bit of a spreadsheet of every single thing that we need to purchase for every single room. If you have multicolored rooms, then you have to label those walls and rooms with different colors. So it's very easy to get confused. If you're doing everything in grey or white, then no problem. But if you're having feature walls, then, it, you know, you've got a lot of rooms and it's a bit of a challenge. So we're in the throes of doing that and then everything has to be purchased. So one of the things that you did was you went up to the building and you labelled a wall. So we have a whole wall 
with labels on there. So as sanitary wear comes, ele electrics for light fittings, things like that, hand basins and toilets come, we can slot them in those particular categories and control it. I remember what we did, that property in Stoke in London Road. We had stuff all over the place. I remember the whole kitchen from the floor to the ceiling was just cardboard at the end. Oh, I <laughs> remember that. I mean, and everything came from Ikea. Like an Amazon warehouse. It, literally. But yeah, it's a bit of a loading bay we've set up basically that we can just store everything and make sure yeah. nothing goes missing or nobody picks up something by accident because we are going to have obviously a truckload of stuff arriving. But we're plastered out. As Paul said, two kitchens in, tilers in bathrooms to be finished and next we're fitting some kitchenettes at the moment we've got a joiner coming we had one joiner on the job we've now ended up with three joiners on the job just to keep the you know the momentum going because it was a little bit more work than we realized so we've got one joiner who's great he's coming in the evenings uh we have another guy that's, that did a few weeks for us to, to assist the main joiner on site we had to bring in more plasterers. We've had to bring in more laborers. We've had to bring in more electricians towards the second fix. We've got three tilers on site. It's a pretty busy project, you know, to keep the momentum up so we can keep on schedule in terms of the timescale. I think one of the important things is to keep the team fully appraised of what the schedule is. I mean, the guys have been pretty good in terms of, look, we're behind, we need to speed up. So they'll turn it on and you know you put in some more hours or they'll bring someone on just to speak for yourself which is pretty pretty decent and that's important otherwise you find that the project just drags on and this might sound like a pretty basic statement but the longer the project the more it costs yeah even if you're on a fixed price it costs more and i'm not talking about lost income it just all bits and pieces are found and you're buying extra this and buying extra that and something gets broken and historically, it always costs a lot more if you're late. So we're trying to get this completed by the end of May. So we're now middle of April. So we've said to the team, we really want decorators in first week in May. They're going to be in there for two to three weeks, we think. And then we have copy people in and then furniture. Is that the order? It is yeah. indeed. I mean, there are always a load of anxieties and we've got walls that aren't growing out. We've got leaks that, you know, haven't been there for 12 months, 15 months, and all of a sudden they've just flipped up here. And we've got neighbours who aren't playing ball. I was just about to say whether we should mention that or not, but yeah, we have. For fear of, you know, being sued or being placed at the front of the sentinel. Perhaps not, but, you know, these things happen. It is a community and we have to respect their wishes. It's not a deal breaker, but it's just a bit irritating, I think. But these are the things that happen when you're, when you're doing the development. You know, small, medium or large, we've done tiny developments. And we've had neighbours that have complained every single day for the time that we've been there. It's not one thing, it's another. So that's just part I mean, the in that department, to be fair, it has run fairly smooth considering yeah. sort of the pushback initially on the project. So hopefully we have delivered on what we said and they've kept like a tidy site and not too much noise. And we have thought about the community as, as much as we can. So yeah. it's gone okay. Yeah. So I think the next six weeks are crucial. Six weeks is not a long time. The idea of ordering 12 beds, 12 mattresses, 
light fittings. Yeah, and, and making it all come together and look good. There's no excitement. Uh, I think I've lost the excitement for it, so I need to motivate myself to get that done. It is coming together which is exciting. The place is as dirty as hell. So I think you're thinking of getting some interim cleaning done, which makes a lot of sense, especially if you've got a new set of people coming in and want it fairly tidy and plaster-free and all that sort of stuff. What do you think the most critical thing is now? What do you think sort of over the next couple of three weeks? If you if you arrange yourself or anything, what do you think it would be? I'd go as far as saying I'm not really anxious about anything. That could be the famous last words. I think probably the most critical point is the bathrooms because electrical second fix is kind of taking care of itself. It's just sockets lighting, quite simple. But I would say it's the second fix is the most critical with the loos and the sinks and the showers and just making sure that the place is watertight, no leaks, and that everything is functioning properly. That's almost like the final kind of part, I say major part. From there, literally, it's just downhill from there. It's just cosmetic from there. Yeah, I think the most frustrating bit is getting it to launch. I always get, once we've got the furniture fitted, which takes an inordinate long time to get to that stage. But once the furniture is in and the place is cleaned and everything's tested, and you've got to test 12 bathrooms, and you've showers on all the same time <laughs> to see what happens. I mean, it's real systemized yeah it's the functionality of the building this yeah. place has to function well the wi-fi's got to work the cameras have got to work you know the whole thing's got to really pull together so i guess that's where not my anxiety but where the critical part comes in you know paint color choices and beds and furnitures you know we can work that out quite easily okay so it's progressing i don't think we need to say that much more i think if we do a another podcast when Maybe the decorators are in, the second fix is done. So probably three or four weeks from now. And then that could be very close to our final ones. We have mm-hmm. two more updates. Maybe the last update is when someone moves in. And hopefully tell us how amazing it is. Hopefully, yeah. And we need to pick a name, but we'll come back to you on the name. Yeah. We're still umming and ahhing on the exact name of the building. Yeah, yeah, we'll find something. I'm so frustrated we haven't had a gardener. Come yes. and give us a quote for the garden. We've got a little bit of a garden front and back that we want to get a quote for the works there. So we'll have a little relaxation area for our tenants, our renters. Anyway, I think that's probably where we should end now and then revisit three or four weeks from now. Super. Okay. I hope you enjoyed the update and we'll check in soon. Take care. Thank you. enjoyed today's episode and if so please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too to get in touch with paul and amanda directly please visit their website www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information we look forward to sharing with you on the next episode